0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, how's it going?
0: You know how every once in a while we'll have one of those slow weeks that we talk about on here?
1: That was not this week.
0: No, no, it was not. No, it was spring, not,
1: Amy. Spring has sprung, Jonathan, and in the SBC world, there's never a slow week in the spring. It's like,
0: it's like we were waiting on the vernal equinox. Yeah. To just set the so, world on fire. And here so we are. There's,
1: yeah. So there, there will not be another slow week until around July. And uh, then we'll, then everybody will go on vacation. You're really hopeful about August. July, aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean, last July, I took the month off. So quitter from the podcast. Yeah. From the podcast, did all those pre recordings and then went to the lake. So oh, I
0: forgot about that. Yeah. Huh.
1: It was, yeah. Yeah, yep. you ha- you handled it. You held it together. It allowed me to be part of everything. I never never had a week really off, but anyway, looking looking for slow news in yeah. July, but not now.
0: Well, this week not a week off, just to be clear. No. Right? Yes. So, we got a lot today. We got three new candidate announcements. I think more coming next week, so it's just there's a lot happening right now. So, lot's of going on. Before we get into that, you know what also happened this week? What? the Ministry Now Conference at Southwestern. We've been talking about it a lot over the past few months at Southwestern. They held that this week on the campus. And if you're looking for a strong theological foundation for future ministry service, might we suggest Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary? Many of the speakers we have featured here on the pod are professors at Southwestern. They're top-notch sources for theological education. And the best way to experience Southwestern is to attend their Spring Preview Day on April the 8th. Preview days are your opportunity to see firsthand all that Southwestern Seminary has to offer. And during your visit, you'll also tour the campus, speak with faculty members, meet fellow students, and hear from President Adam W. Greenway and experience a unique campus community of Southwestern Seminary. Spring Preview Day is April the 8th, so register today at swbts.edu slash preview. You know what else you can do while you're there for Preview Day, Amy? What? You can go to Torchy's.
1: Torchy's Tacos. Yes. Yeah, I can go to Torchy's Tacos here. There's stop one in Raleigh.
0: It. You stop that right now.
1: There's one in Raleigh.
0: I know that's not fair.
1: Sorry. It's
0: like the, the two things that Nashville doesn't have that Raleigh has is Amy Woodfield and Torchy's Tacos.
1: What can I say? It's Point pretty Raleigh, it's, right. Yeah, it's pretty great. And the Angus so, Barn. That's correct. But you do have Kane Prime, so it's I mean, there's no shortage Point of Point Yes. yeah so no, no shortage of good steak there in Nashville so. yes.
0: there's good steak in Texas too. I've had a really good steak. Um, the Del Frisco Double Eagle in downtown Fort Worth is like their flagship the Del Frisco flagship restaurant and it's fantastic yeah. too. It's fantastic. okay enough about that we could we could do a whole uh, steaks around the SBC this week um, podcast one day but that's a different show for a different time. We start Amy? With an announcement this week that came through the Daily Wire, a a political website, Florida pastor Tom Askell announced his candidacy for SBC president.
1: Yeah. So like you said, we had the announcements starting to roll out and that was the one that came earlier in the week that hit on Tuesday. So the announcement came in a story published at the Daily Wire. And then also through Founders Ministries website and then Baptist Press covered it later in the day. He will be the second announced candidate for president uh, where Willie Rice was announced last month. So the the race is heating up. We got another one in, in just a second to to talk about as well. But Tom Askell is no stranger to Southern Baptist. He has pastored Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida since 1986 and has always been involved at the SBC annual meetings. I remember my first SBC in 2006 that he was very active and I think there was a real uh, real focus. To, uh, it was a few years he submitted a resolution on Regenerate Church membership that Eventually, I can't remember if it was 2008, 2009, something like that uh, was passed, but I remember that was an, an effort that, that he, he was very focused on for, for a few years, and then the messengers passed it. So he's not not one that people would wonder, okay, who is this? No, this is somebody that's been very involved as a messenger for years.
0: Yep, and some of the stats from his church, uh, they are Grace Baptist in Cape Coral. Uh, they have not officially reported baptisms since 2004. However, they do report that they have about 280 in weekly worship attendance, $725,000 in change on their undesignated receipts, and $30,660, which is a little under four and quarter percent Uh, given through the cooperative program. They also contribute to Great Commission giving and disaster relief there at Grace Baptist Church. So uh, that's some of the stats on our second candidate for the SBC presidency. Amy, we have a third candidate that was announced the following day, and that is former missionary Robin Hathaway.
1: That's right. So Robin Hathaway also, no stranger to Southern Baptists, like you said, he's a former International Mission Board missionary, but also very involved at the seminary level as well. So he started out, he pastored in California and Arizona, then he went to the uh, t- to the field with the IMB um, to Africa and South America, did church planting in Tanzania, um, Northern Africa, directed church planting efforts in Eastern South America, um, was a regional leader uh, for the for the IMB there then after that he spent almost 20 years at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary he was professor of missions and then he also was interim president i remember that he served as dean of students vice president for institutional initiatives interim cfo and interim administrative vice president so he kind of played all the roles he was just it sat in every the
0: business card is the size of one of those happy gilmore checks
1: Right. That's right. That's right. So uh, he retired from teaching uh, there at at Midwestern about a year ago. And so he is the senior professor of missions. So teaching, you know, in terms of residential teaching. Uh, and he lives with his wife, Kathy, in Oceanside, California.
0: And in Oceanside, they are members of New Song Community Church. I don't believe he is on staff there, uh, but that is the church that they attend out there in Oceanside. Uh, they reported 26 baptisms last year, undesignated receipts of just under $1.65 million, and giving to the cooperative program of about $16,750, which is 1.02% of their undesignated receipts.
1: Yeah. And Jonathan, just to, to give clarification, because we've done this in all these stories and and Baptist Press always does this. One of the reasons we give these stats is because for years, messengers have communicated that the that these are things they want to know. We've had motions on the floor for years asking for that to be included in nominations. Yep. We speeches. hear you,
0: Steve Bailey. We hear you.
1: Yes. One of the reasons that that never gets you know, doesn't really make it through usually is because of some of the challenges of a nomination speech is like a floor speech, basically, and you can't dictate. Uh, There's a problem with dictating what people must say when they are at the microphone. But one of the ways that the executive committee has responded through the years is to say, we will do everything we can to communicate these details that the people seem to want to know. So that's one reason that they always there's been a commitment for years to always put those in Baptist press to encourage people to look and to encourage people to include this in nomination speeches, uh, even if we can't dictate it. So we want to make sure we're doing our part to communicate that here.
0: All right. So that's the two announcements for president of the SBC, Amy, this week. But wait, there's more. There's more. Also, in the Askell announcement over at the Daily Wire this week, Vodi Bauckham was announced as a 2023 SBC Pastors Conference president uh, nominee. So the 2023 president is elected at the 2022 meeting. So that, that's what that means right there. So that's if right. elected, he would preside over the 23 Pastors Conference.
1: Right. Vodi Bauckham, as you said, is Dean of Theology at African Christian University in Lusaka, Zambia. And uh, he was the founding pastor of Grace Family Baptist Church in Spring, Texas, and then left from there in 2015 to go on the field in Zambia. So this this has uh, raised some questions that um, we can sort of clear up here procedurally, that while he's not an active member at Grace Family Baptist Church membership, there's no messenger status or anything related to the pastor's conference. Essentially, the only rule of the pastor's conference is that there are no rules for the pastor's conference.
0: It's like Fight Club in the SBC, except we talk about it.
1: Right, right. So, literally, you know, people have talked about like where what do the governing documents say? It's my understanding, not that I've seen it, that the governing documents are a binder that goes from president to president that tells here's how we did it last year. Yeah, best of luck, good luck to you. So, it really is a very grassroots event that the attendees, who it's you know really supposed to be made up of Southern Baptist pastors that they select the person they want to to do it for the next year. So that's one reason why, you know, in terms of eligibility, there were some questions about that when people were talking about presidential candidates for the convention. And there are some very specific constitutional requirements there. But for the pastor's conference, there's not.
0: But to be clear, Bauckham is not a member of a Southern Baptist church and is a member of a Reformed Baptist church of Zambia where he is in Zambia and teaches at a Reformed Baptist seminary in Zambia.
1: That's right. So his connection to the SBC comes from the church. From that he the planted. church that he planted. Yes, that's right. Correct. Right. And attended um, a, a number of institutions, including Southeastern where uh, he graduated from Southeastern where, where I live. So, um, so those are the connections and he's got a, you know, had a statement, lots of people supporting his candidacy. So, so that's what we got coming so far. And we've got, so now we've got three candidates for president and two candidates for pastors conference president, Daniel Dickard and Vody Bacham. and then one candidate for first vice president. And that's, that's it, right? That's all, all we're at at this stage, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Victor Chiasa Rizabon.
0: Yes. Hey, you you got it so good now. You just got that. It just rolls
1: out, rolls off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I told you it just it sounds just like it looks. Yeah. So you mentioned Victor, he is the only candidate we have right now for first vice president. We don't have anything for second vice president, but we do have a couple, like you mentioned, for the president of the pastors conference as well as the SBC presidency. We will see if there are any more. I expect we'll have more next week, Amy. I just at this point of the year, I just expect announcements every week. I wake up in the morning expecting to have an email from somebody saying, Hey, I'm nominating so-and-so and it hasn't happened today, but I expect it to happen next week. You never know. It may happen today. It's early,
1: but let's remember we always have, there could be nominees up until five minutes before the deadline to announce a nominee is when it gets announced on the stage if you're going to nominate somebody come forward now. That's it. So, we never know. They may not be they may uh, not be announced here on SBC this week cuz they could get done in real time.
0: Yes, and just because we do announce them here doesn't mean that they will actually wind up being announced at the annual meeting or the pastors conference as an actual candidate because things can change from now until then and you never know if the nomination will carry through. Because you're not nominated until you're nominated. These are just announcements of intent to nominate. So one of our constant reminders here on the podcast. Uh, Speaking of the annual meeting, Amy, we got some good news last week. The proof of vaccine or negative COVID-19 test requirement that was in place for mega events at indoor events in California. It's gone. So there is no COVID guideline right now in the state of california that governs our meeting in anaheim the mask mandate that was in effect in california previously has also that was already taken away back in the first of march i believe now the first of april the vaccine or negative test requirement is gone so it's just like quote unquote normal back to normal out in california and everybody can show up. And while we encourage people to be responsible with their health and the health of those around them, there are no requirements for the meeting as of now.
1: You know what this reminded me of? It reminded me of last year when yeah. we didn't know what was going to happen. We weren't even sure like if we were going to fit. I mean, of course at one point we're at Opryland. we don't know how. It, and then all of a sudden we get in the new spot and then we have the ability to spread out and then the things start lifting and then we just had this, basically this normal meeting, like the only thing that the only thing that involved masks for me at the annual meeting was my flight to yep. and from. And that also was it. still in
0: effect, by the way.
1: Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Follow follow what the FAA has put out. But. I, I I thought about this. I thought this is going to be just like last year where we were planning for all these contingencies and then all of a sudden we just got to have a normal meeting. So very excited about
0: that. Well, after last year, I really, this year, I started feeling like, all right, I, I'm confident that things will lift. And they were trending yeah. in that direction. And it was just a question of, will California pull the trigger or not? And right, eventually they did. So, I mean, it, it just, it got back to normal, so to speak. But, you know, again... Things can change. It's it's not even April yet, so we got a couple of months. You never know what may happen. Things may change back the other way. I hope not. Uh, I think we all hope and pray that that isn't the case. Um, but right now, we are good to go in Southern California. And also, Amy, we have a program released for the annual meeting this year got a schedule we do
1: yes i did not know this was coming so when it dropped i was uh Surprise. you know me I, I i run to that to look i knew i knew it so, was coming yeah you did because you know you work there and i do not anymore sorry
0: um yeah rub it in
1: i know i know so as uh, as has happened the last few years it will convene on uh tuesday June fourteenth at eight a.m. It will adjourn at five p.m. on Wednesday, June fifteenth. One thing that I'm pretty impressed about is that the um, the committee on order of business got us. You know, it's supposed to end at six fifteen on Tuesday evening, and then that's it. So, yeah, uh, break break for the evening. That's a lot to lot to squeeze in there. Um, As usual. The bulk of business is on Tuesday afternoon, although there is still some business on Wednesday as well.
0: So let's cover this. We got four main sessions that we're talking about. We have Tuesday morning and afternoon, Wednesday morning and afternoon. Tuesday morning includes the IMB sending celebration, which is always one of the highlights. We're getting things started like right out the gate. We're doing that. We also had the president's address that morning and the first part of the committee on resolutions report on Tuesday morning. So Tuesday morning, that's a full morning right there. That, that's really a lot of is. business right there. Tuesday afternoon, you mentioned a bulk of the business. That is the Committee on Nominations, Committee on Committees reports, as well as the EC report, elections, and the Sexual Abuse Task Force report. So that's right. That's all that afternoon. You're also getting that NAM, IMB, and WMU reports that afternoon. And you've got motions, introductions, also Tuesday morning and afternoon. And then on Wednesday, Amy, uh, we got the convention sermon. Juan Sanchez, like right out the gate, man. We're getting it started. Juan is like right out the gate on Wednesday morning. And then you've got the joint seminary reports that morning as well. And you've got seminary lunches right after that. So that's kind of the tradition that's been the last few years. And then that afternoon, you've got the rest of the resolutions report as well as uh, LifeWay, ERLC, and a couple other things. So, you know, a good flowing from business item to business item, some anchor pieces in each one of those sessions. So uh should be a fascinating time there in Anaheim.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you know, I, I always say this, and I encourage everyone, get there on Tuesday morning, find your seat, and don't leave.
0: Yeah, because so, decisions are made.
1: By those who show up.
0: That's right. And stay yes. in the room. We that's should right. That. That's like an asterisk. You don't just have to show up, you have to stay in the room.
1: That could, be our, that could be our new uh, thing. Decisions, decisions are made, made by, those,
0: by those who stay in the room.
1: Yeah. Decisions are made by those who don't leave.
0: Yes. So, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, and if you, I mean, you know, everybody's got things they have to deal with. If you need to go to the restroom, you need to ask someone to save your spot and, and come back. So I have, I, I always love, I have two teenagers who are with me and they are, they could not be more different. One of them, Will be in the room the entire time. She's not going to leave, and she's going to be texting me, asking me questions, all all throughout. Some of which I won't be able to answer. Like she usually is texting me, saying, "Do we know who won? Do we know who won?" And I'm like, "No, I don't. I it does. Nobody knows. Like nobody knows until they come and announce Don's it." Don's the even... only one. Right, right. So she will be on the edge of her seat, part of everything. The other one good night. He was walking all over na- downtown Nashville. He was sending us pictures from the country music hall of fame. Who knows what he'll be doing. He'll be at and,
0: Disneyland. And, and, he'll be on the Matterhorn. Yeah.
1: Right. Texting you, mom, right.
0: I'm I'm doing well. Uh, lightning yeah. lane work, mom.
1: Yeah. He'll Single be rider line. Selfies. That's great. Yeah. Right. And, and we'll come in and tell him what happened and he'll be like, I don't care. So, uh, so anyway, be, uh, I love Drew. But for those of you who come as messengers, be like Mary.
0: Be like Mary. There's your t-shirt, be like Mary. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, hey, so that's our news from the annual meeting. There's going to be more I'm sure to come. We've got committee nominations, all kind of stuff still to come from the annual meeting. And don't forget, about 3 weeks away, Resolutions Portal opens April 15th. So that's also going on. You've got about a 45-day window through the end of May to get that in. Amy some news from the Executive Committee, Luis Lopez has been hired as the EC's new Executive Director of Hispanic Relations and Mobilization.
1: Yes, so uh, Luis Lopez, I I love, I'm really excited to talk about this because... You, You know what county he's from. I know where he's coming from.
0: Robertson County, not Cheatham.
1: He was the Associate Director of Missions for Ethnic Work with the robertson county baptist association in springfield tennessee so uh they're in my home county i'm excited but uh but sorry that he's sorry that he's going to be leaving there yeah but he will be joining the team he's going to work to multiply hispanic congregations among southern baptists and engage those congregations in southern baptist life so he will be replacing julio Ariola.
0: So many of you remember that Julio in the fall left to go to the SBTC as the director of Send Network in Texas. So Julio is working on church planning in the state of Texas through the SBTC. Uh, Not just Hispanic work, but all the work in Texas. Uh, But uh, this is the replacement for Julio, and he starts his work with the EC uh, next week. So excited to have Luis on the team. And like you said, from Robertson County, we'll be able to talk about the Catfish House with him,
1: yes, yes, and all sorts of great Robertson County things. And uh, he also worked at Lifeway for a long time, yeah. and I remember him from there. Yeah, he, so. he
0: worked with us there at Lifeway. And uh, Amy, some sad news from uh, the southeastern world this week Randall Lolly, who was the third southeastern president right before Lewis Drummond, he passed away this past week at the age of 90.
1: So, Randall Lolly was elected, he came after Olin Binkley. So, we had Sidner Staley, Olin Binkley, and then Randall Lolly. Um, he came in May of 1974. Uh, he was the first graduate to be a, the president of Southeastern. And so he, he served in that role, like you said, until Dr. Drummond came. Um, obviously, he was there during a lot of difficult and turbulent times. Um, but when he left, uh, there's a great quote in this Baptist Press story from Dr. Aiken, just talking about the time that he met him that he invited him back to the campus. And he talked about all of his time here as a student, as a president. um, And that just was a a very kind man. Um, As, as Dr. Aiken said, we differed theologically on some very important issues, but we are united in our love for Christ and S E B T S. So pretty, pretty incredible 90 years old. And I mean, Lolly Dorm is where my uh, it where my daughter's going to live next year when she is is on campus as a student at Southeastern, and so that's named after Randall Lolly. So go figure. Yeah, you know,
0: I can't wait till go there's figure. a Whitfield Hall.
1: Um, no. no, no,
0: no. Okay, no. Well, not happening. All right, yeah. Well, maybe one of these days. All right, some final news, Amy. Some great news from SBDR, our disaster relief folks. Highest total of salvations ever for Southern Baptist disaster relief in a year.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal. Tw- more than 2,100 professions of faith came as a result of of this. Uh, that's just incredible. Tw- 2,133, actually. Other reports included more than 83,000 meals distributed, more than 51,000 volunteer days, more than 10,000 gospel presentations. Lots of Lots of great results in that. That's the thing that often, you know, gets most noticed out there is those yellow shirts, you know. Um, so there's a great story, great story about that um, from Baptist Press that Tim Cox did. Really excellent. That just tells some of that data and then gives some just great Uh, pictures, lots of stuff about the the work of Southern Baptist Disaster Relief.
0: Yeah, so every time you hear us talking about disaster relief or you see that in your state paper or state publication, remember that it's not only an opportunity for us to serve people through chainsaw ministry or meals or anything like that. It's also an opportunity for us to share the gospel, and our disaster relief workers are fantastic at doing that. And uh, like you said, 2,133 professions of faith in 2021. So incredible job by our disaster relief people out there. And Amy, that's going to do it for the news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
1: I did something different this week. I decided every now and then I like to, to go a little deeper. And, you know, Baptist Press, you can you start in, in 1948 because that's when the wire service began. Uh, but you can look back in some state papers even before that And so the Baptist Reflector, Baptist and Reflector, which is the Tennessee paper, I went back, I wanted to see what was going on a hundred years ago this week. So I got the 1922 issue, um, March 23rd. And let me tell you the big conversation. Now there's some very interesting articles I would, I would recommend on all sorts of issues. Uh, there's one right at the front talking about, um, russian baptist so it's you know in- interesting to see that in light of what we are are dealing with but the big story that keeps popping through is the 75 million campaign oh lots of pressure being put on everybody to make good on their pledges which spoiler alert
0: they did not
1: uh, they did not. But for those of you who most of you know what the 75 million campaign is, because if you listen to a podcast about the SBC, a lot of, you know, but the 75 million campaign was kind of the precursor to what we know today as the cooperative program. And it's when um, there was a determination that a lot of our entities were in financial trouble and so instead of all of pledges
0: from the 75 million dollar campaign didn't come in
1: well yes but the 75 million campaign came because all the entities were having to go to churches and make appeals in kind of a societal giving model they were all on their own so there was a strategy to say what if we raise 75 million for all of them so gathered all these pledges it was really exciting and then not everyone sent in their pledge but uh, they call it a successful failure, kind of like Apollo 13 in because that- Because
0: it led to the foundation of the cooperative program.
1: Right. So it demonstrated that even though we didn't meet our goal, we had figured out a way to work together. And so it led to a more uh, long-term sustainability strategy with the cooperative program. But in 1922- The pressure was on, man. There's all kinds of stuff in here. There is a, an article called, shall it be Advance or retreat? um, That is pushing like, basically, what are you going to do? Are you going to come through with your pledge or not? Um, Then there's a a story in there from LR Scarborough called the call of the causes, where he talked about how he was uh, touring the States of the South to try to round up support for it. There's another spot that is a full-page ad on how the associations stand on the 75 million campaign, and so you looked at your. Um, at, you would find it was it listed all a little the associations. healthy shaming,
0: Amy. A little healthy shaming. <laughs> it, it, it,
1: it listed all the associations. It it gave what their pledges were. Then it gave how much they had paid so far, how much had been due in, you know, in October of the year before, and then how much was due in, in April 30th. And it said, um, it said, consider well, the above figure, see how few associations are anything like up on their subscriptions? Note the standing of your association. If it's behind, then see how much your own church is at fault. Um, A little so, healthy shaming. It, and so it it was some serious, <laughs> it was some serious pressure being put on. Um, and I, I just found it interesting because it's always good to look back and see where where we where we were. There's another ad about home missions in the 75 million program and how it is. Uh, how it's it's been collected it said will the brotherhood what will the brotherhood do to make good to the home board its part so there's a there are a lot of things in this issue several pages with um, a number of 16 big newspaper pages with a number of interesting articles but what i found most interesting is that they had one major thing they were were thinking about Um, And it was the pressure was on to make good on their commitment. Um, And that was what everyone was talking about 100 years ago this week in SBC history.
0: All right. Hey, you know, we were talking about two years ago this week in SBC history.
1: Uh, Yes, we were talking about the cancellation of the SBC annual meeting.
0: Yeah, let's not talk about that too much. So we'll we'll move on from that. That That was a crazy week there. Oh man, two years ago, if you go back and listen to that podcast, I, I should go back and listen to that this week and just hear what we were talking about that week. So, all right. I um, have a lot of memories, lots of memories. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so uh, resources of the week, Amy, my resource of the week is a new album from Kenny and Claire. So Kenny and Claire, they're a music duo, they're Kenny and Claire Hilliard uh, met at North Greenville right South of you over there, and then went to uh, Southeastern. So he's a, he's a Southeastern yeah. grad. And uh, they have a new album out, some redone hymns. The EP is entitled Are You Weary? I just released it uh, last year. Several modernized and rewritten hymns, including Approach My Soul and For the Beauty. It's kind of a folkish Americana sound, uh, something you and I both love. So that is my resource of the week. There's a story about him in Baptist Press this week, but you can find the EP, Are You Weary out there on uh, all your music platforms. So go out there, find that, listen to that, and uh, check out Kenny and Claire and their new EP, Are You Weary? Amy, your resource of the week is?
1: Mine is a first-person article by Jason Thacker from the ERLC. It is how Christians can think about the epidemic of online gambling and sports betting. So So obviously, my
0: resource of the week is like something right up in your wheelhouse. Your resource of the week is something that I rail about sports gambling. I'm not a big fan at all. That's, yes, That's an see. understatement, I think. Yeah, um, we,
1: we switched. We switched, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, but here's what I appreciated about this. You know, I'm one that looks and says, I am not in favor of gambling at all, sports betting, you know, any kind. But if someone were, you know, to try to engage me on it and say, why is it bad? I'm not sure I would be able to articulate all the answers if a, if a neighbor or someone, you know, if I'm talking to about it. And I thought this first person was really good because it just talks about the human toll of gambling. It talks about kind of how sports gambling exploded, what all it, it does. Uh, it talks about the the biblical ethic that comes behind why we, you know, why we are against it. And also just the, the way that it really harms society. So I just liked it. I thought it was a great resource and could be helpful to people who might, you know, have, be having conversations with coworkers, neighbors, whatever about this. Um, And very timely during March Madness, which I do have a bracket. No money was involved with it. And, Not just because I don't support sports gambling, but in general, it's really good that no money was involved in it because my bracket is the worst it's ever been.
0: Well, I didn't do one, so I'm good. So I I didn't even do a bracket this year. I was on top.
1: I was on top in the first round and then sunk to the bottom really fast.
0: I've not watched a minute of March Madness this year. I, I feel like a failure. But I've been out of town. I've been gone. I've been watching other things and paying attention to other stuff. So. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know how that's possible that I haven't watched a lick of it this year. Okay.
1: I that's that's so sad because it's been pretty amazing. Yeah. Um. Well. But uh, now I'm at the stage where like all the things I want my brackets busted. Um. Tennessee is out. out. Yeah. yeah. We were pulling for Rick Barnes. I wanted to see a Michigan North Carolina final. Kind of re meet meet again. Jimmy's living Howard. in
0: the nineties. There we go.
1: Yeah, let's let let's redo 93, but we could do it next next year. Next year we okay. you know 30 years later. And so now I'm now I'm pulling for a, a UNC Duke meeting in the semifinals. And honestly, I mean I got I got reasons to appreciate both, but you know, it's Coach K's last year, maybe maybe he goes out on top.
0: That'd be kind of cool to watch actually. Yeah. So Yeah, very I don't meaningful. know if it's going to happen, but it'd be kind of neat to see that. So We'll see. So that's our show this week. I know this was a busy week, Amy, and I think you were right earlier when you said there probably won't be a slow week between now and July. So strap in, folks. We're about 10 weeks out, 12 weeks out from the annual meeting. It's going to be a wild one. Hold on tight, and uh, we'll see you in Anaheim. But, Amy, I'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.